13. Oh, it's another podcast. My name is Corey, and I welcome you here. I thank you for listening. I'm going to talk today about a whole lot of things. I've been very busy this week with kind of not fun things, more personal things and professional things, you know, and uh, yeah, wow, wow, it's been crazy. And not to mention this whole Twitter thing I've had going on, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, Talking about a whole lot this week, but first, before I tell you what I'm going to talk about, let me talk about something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Uh, I mentioned last week that I finally got to watch The Ghoul uh, on the uh, MGM DVD release. And uh, I said, oh yeah, it's a lot better. But uh, that's all I said about it. I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about that here. Uh, they added about 20 minutes on to this version. Uh, they, they thought for a long time this movie was lost. And they found an excellent print of it, and uh, it translates very well onto this DVD. The picture is so sharp, and that is coming from me, who I originally watched this on archive.org. And uh, the picture was terrible, the sound was low, and, and had a lot of hiss, and was very bad. So, yeah, I didn't like it very much, mostly because I couldn't understand it. Well, I'll tell you what, this version is great. Now, it's a little more drawn out, obviously. It takes a little more time for Karloff to come back out of his tomb in this one. There's a lot more setup. That's where most of the time is added. But uh, all in all, I think this is a fantastic movie. You can find it for really cheap right now, I think, on eBay or maybe even Amazon or something. I paid five bucks for uh, shipping and everything. Uh, for my version. So, highly recommend it. Go see The Ghoul. Uh, It's Boris Karloff. He's fantastic. Uh, We're kind of done talking about him right now, but this week, what I will be talking about is our next in our series of zombie movies. We're going through history and trying to cover every zombie movie that uh, has happened, within reason. Within reason. (laughs) But uh, this time, it is the very first zombie comedy ever The Ghost Breakers. Oh, yeah. And I'm not actually sure that I should call this the very first zombie comedy. And I'll get into that a little bit later on during my little review discussion thing about that. I'm also going to review a DVD that is completely different. (laughs) Um, This is a one of a kind. I've never reviewed a film quite like this before on any of the iterations of uh, my podcasting thing going on. That is the movie Gold, originally from 1972 and just finally released in home video format for the very first time by uh, Wild Eye. So, yeah, I'm going to tell you all about that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's a full title is Gold uh, Before Woodstock Beyond Reality. Hmm. And that is a, uh, a pretty good description, pretty good title for that. So, oh, my friend Brian in Colorado is going to bring the review of beers this week. And I have a really fun original song. Uh, It's not really an original song. It's original music by me, kind of. It's a cover. It's a cover is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Um, It's uh, I'll I'll just leave you to find that one out, unless you've already read the show notes, and then you already know. But I'm not going to tell it to you in case you don't have the show notes. You're driving down the road or something. So, you guessed it, a lot of Walking Dead TV show news coming out. 
a lot of people, a lot of websites getting exclusive interviews and exclusive, you know, set visits and <laughs> pictures. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, that's just the kind of thing. I mean, I think uh, all this, uh, all these horror websites are really kind of killing things. I mean, it's really uh, kind of, you know, I, I just hope people don't get sick of The Walking Dead before the TV show even comes on, is what I'm saying. Uh, but uh, anyhow, what was cool, my friend McPierce from A Little Dead Podcast sent me uh, an article on Dread Central, and uh, this is actually really, really cool. It's going to be uh, just a short cameo during the uh, Walking Dead TV series. Charlie Adlard, who is the artist for The Walking Dead comic book, um, he's going to be a zombie extra in one of the episodes, which is really, really cool. Uh, they have an interview with him about it. And uh, he said, well, you know, I'm basically on set all the time anyhow, so I might as well be a zombie while I'm there. So, uh, yeah, K&B is in charge of the makeup. Uh, Greg Nicotero and uh, his whole crew is there doing fantastic work. So uh, thank you to McPierce. I'll post the link to that article in the show notes. I also got another link sent to me by Victor. This is a great YouTube video. This is of a commercial that I haven't actually seen, but it's one of the coolest commercials that I've seen in a long time. Now, I don't like to endorse products. I don't like to, you know, play ads for products. You know, I'll tell you about things that I buy that I like, or if somebody asks me to review something and I like it, I'll tell you about that. And if I don't like it, I'll tell you too. But uh, this isn't necessarily because I like Starburst. Now, don't get me wrong, I like Starburst as much as the next guy. They're very, very tasty. This is a zombie Starburst commercial in which a zombie is riding a bus and having a conversation with these people. It's hilarious. It's a fantastic commercial. And I gotta thank you to Victor for sending that over. You know why I love Starburst? That's a contradiction. That's solid, yet juicy, like a liquid. Ugh, boring. Living dead. That is a contradiction, my friend. It's not a contest, sir. Uh, everything's a contest, sir. Starburst exists in two separate... Oh, boring. Starburst exists in You are boring me to death, and I am already dead. You're boring me back to death. Okay. Starburst, it's a juicy contradiction. Now, the only real news I've been really slacking for real news articles, I used to have, I'd give you a whole bunch every episode, but uh, I've been busy, so I haven't been able to find them. But thank you to my friend Johnny T. Y'all know Johnny T, Cult Films. Yeah, the link I think is up on my website somewhere. You gotta, gotta go check him out. Very, very cool. Part of the Burt Bacharach Fight Club, in fact. Played their songs a couple episodes ago, and uh, that may be a little hint as to what you'll be hearing a little bit later on in the original music section. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, he sent me this really, really cool link that goes to a video that is all about these deep sea creatures. And this, this guy, this scientist, has all of these jars of formaldehyde and in it all of these creatures that have come from like the deep abysmal depths of the sea. And they're all these weird bug looking things, you know, things that you know, you've seen in like Starship Troopers, you know, they're very freaky. And he just has jars and jars full of these things. And they're studying them right now because uh, they're looking at what the impact is on the oil spill in the Gulf. So they're going to these deep sea dwellers. I don't know why, but it's a very cool article to watch. And thank you to Johnny T for sending that one over. <laughs> Oh, my God.
Okay, before we move on in the show, there are several things I completely forgot to tell you about, and I'm going to chalk this up to the fact that uh, this is the bad luck episode. This is episode 13, and uh, this is being released on Friday the 13th. I mean, that's pretty weird. That's really weird, and weird things are happening. Like, I am completing, I am completely, blah, 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 I can't even talk. I mean, it's, yeah, something's going on here. But uh, I can't uh, complete, uh, what was I even saying? I don't even know. I keep going off on tangents. Um, I don't know. There's stuff that I, I forgot to tell you. Um, go to midnightcory.com, Check things out there. Got a lot of cool things happening. I'm making a short horror film all by myself. I've been putting up video updates on YouTube, and I'm posting them also to midnightcory.com. So you can go check them out. Subscribe to my videos. Watch them. And uh, yeah, see how the progress is coming. There's some really, really cool things coming together. I'm really happy with everything right now. And you can get all the updates at my video page. So yeah, yeah, go check it out. Also check out corpsecollective.com. Fantastic, fantastic place to read some great articles, uh, fiction, opinion pieces, reviews, uh, interviews, all kinds of cool original stuff. So corpsecollective.com. And I'm making a last call right now for the uh, Eric S. Brown and David Dunwoody Zombie Flash Fiction Contest winners. <sighs> Man, uh, I don't think they listen to the podcast. <laughs> uh, so they haven't sent me any addresses. So I don't know. I'll give you to the end of August. How about that? Please get me your address information so you can get your prizes. Give them to me. Email them. Corey at midnightcory.com so that I can get those to you by the end of August 2010, or else I'm keeping everything for myself, and I'll sell them on eBay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cash money. All right. <laughs> Rainmaker! Here's the part of the podcast where I'm going to talk about Twitter again. Oh, man. 
you know, it wasn't bad enough that I had a lot going on. A lot on my mind this week, you know, both personally and, like I said, for work things and uh, a lot of things, you know. I'm being pulled in a lot of different directions right now, trying to make my movie, having fun with that. But anyhow, you know, why do people take themselves so seriously, especially on Twitter? Oh, boy. And I should have known, you know, the girl that attacked me this week on, on Twitter, you know, or jumped all down my throat and everything, was a girl that I met at Horror Realm this past year, and I thought she was cool then, and then she got all mad at me whenever I was busting on Brother D and confronting Brother D about his, you know, stupidity. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, Dark Dennis just, uh, is a girl that really has just, uh, man just jumped down my throat, and uh, it's really a, a very miserable and, and very fiery and upset, angry, angry person. And, uh, yeah, that's too bad. And, and, and it all breaks down again. People take themselves way too seriously. People go out just looking for something to get mad about and to start up drama. And, yeah, maybe I didn't use the best judgment when I said, you know, hey, Twitter's pretty stupid because they recommend I follow this girl, Dark and then people like Brother D and Apocalypse Dan because I've either blocked them or they blocked me and they're kind of idiots and everything like that. I don't care what I'm saying right now. But, uh, you know, and then I get into all this drama again and it's just retarded. It really is. And uh, everyone, you know, I stand behind my tweets and, and I don't know what it is. Oh, so, so yeah. Yeah, join me on Twitter. Uh, Twitter.com slash MidnightCorey. And uh, you can follow all the weirdness that uh, kind of springs up around me. I, I tweet the things that come to my head, and I there's really no filter a lot of times. And, uh, you know, people decide to take it the wrong way. They decide to be confrontational with me a lot of times, and that's too bad. You know, I'm just trying to have fun. You know, I have a weird sense of humor, cynical, sarcastic. Not necessarily 100% even realistic as to how I really am, but it's just funny sometimes. And people are just, I'm so mad at you, Corey. <laughs> like, so, Princess Darkness, you know, hey, hey, you know, I'm sorry. I know you apologized, and I, I fully accept that apology. And, uh, you know, hey, hey, you'll see better days, I'm sure. Do you like zombies? Do you like horror? Do you like comic books? Do you like science fiction? Do you play video games? Then you need to listen to A Little Dead Podcast. Your place for... Daryl, are you down there? Mom! I said when the basement door is closed, then the Fortress of Solitude is off limits. Are you talking to your little friends on the computer? Mom! They're not my little friends. I'm a grown man. Okay, well, do you want some soup? I can make a bowl of soup and a nice glass of chocolate milk. Okay, I'll be up in a minute. So check out A Little Dead Podcast on iTunes and on our website at alittledead.com. A Little Dead Podcast. Your place for full frontal nerdity. Review of beers this week from Brian in Colorado. Hi, Corey. In addition to a few microbreweries, Fort Collins, Colorado has some very nice brew pubs. A brew pub is a microbrewery that sells its product on the premises. Cooper Smith's, known to townies as Coops, is a nice local restaurant, pool hall, and brew pub. 
The restaurant side features good pub fare like bangers and mash, buffalo burgers, and the best wings in town. Just across the alley, in the old comedy club location where a certain beer reviewer used to do amateur stand-up, is Coop's Poolside, specializing in custom pizza, pool, and, of course, beer. I'm going to review Sigda's Green Chili, a golden ale spiced with Anaheim and Serrano chili peppers. The beer pours pale from the tap, like a pilsner, with a thin white head. The aroma is all chili. The taste is sweet golden ale at first, then comes the chili blast. The flavors go well together, and the aftertaste is surprisingly clean. The beer carries a little bit of punch at 5.4% alcohol by volume, and for those who shy away from spices, let me promise you that Sigda's isn't too hot to enjoy, unless you're a wimp. I have, in the past, said terrible things about beer with fruit in it. I've said that such products are designed for people who don't really like beer. Now, I find myself in the uncomfortable position of recommending a beer with chili peppers in it. Does this make me a bad person? Yes. Yes, it does. Too bad. Sigda's Green Chili is a wonderful, drinkable fluke of a beer. Cooper Smith's doesn't open up for breakfast, and they're missing a sure bet because of it. I think a Southwest omelet with chorizo and salsa would go great with this beer. Or maybe two omelets and a beer. Just kidding. One omelet and three or four beers. Having tried several kinds of green chili beers, I believe this to be the best version brewed anywhere. On the Midnight Cory scale, I'd give this brew a solid eight. Brian in Colorado. We have a couple more jokes. <laughs> Just to help pass the time, huh, before you all flunk out of school and go end up getting jobs fucking yourselves. <laughs> We got one more joke. One more joke. Oh, it's a 200-part joke. Hey, did you guys hear? Did you guys hear about this new website? Yeah, internet humor. Did you hear about this new website that uh, publishes the names and addresses and photographs of all the convicted sexual offenders within a five-mile radius of your home? Yeah. It's called Match.com. Yes? Oh, come in, Larry. This is Mr. Montgomery. I met him a few weeks ago in New York. Oh, how are you? You live here? Yes. Well, maybe you know what a zombie is. A what? Well, Prada just told me about a caretaker on Black Island. A Negro woman lives in a little shack with a zombie son. Yes, that's more voodooism. And not very pleasant. When a person dies and is buried, it seems there are certain voodoo priests who, who have the power to bring him back to life. How horrible. It's worse than horrible because a zombie has no will of his own. You see them sometimes walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You mean like Democrats? <laughs> oh, we're going back more than 70 years for this movie. 1940 brought us The Ghost Breakers. Oh, this was a movie directed by George Marshall. And uh, this actually, it's really interesting if you read up about the history of it. This is actually the third time that this specific movie was made and the third studio to make it. <laughs> if you don't count the fact that it was actually a play before any of the movies happened. 
<laughs> so this has had quite a history going back a good 20 years almost before the Ghost Breakers came out. Now this stars Bob Hope. And uh, really, before this, I only really knew about Bob Hope from what I saw on TV while I was growing up. And he was really old and he'd always be doing the golf thing. And, you know, but I, I've come to find now that young Bob Hope is actually pretty cool. I think he was a really good actor and uh, I really do like his brand of comedy. You know, uh, going into this, you know, 1940, for some reason I expected slapstick comedy. And that's probably because I associate the comedies of this particular era with the Three Stooges. <laughs> but the comedy in The Ghostbreakers is completely different. It's much more subtle and it's much more things that you have to get. Um, so the storyline is actually a little long in the setup. Uh, this was about uh, 80 minutes long, 85 minutes long. Uh, basically, a woman named Mary, who's played by Paulette Goddard, um, has inherited a castle and an accompanying plantation on a small island off the coast of Cuba. <laughs> uh, so she gets on a boat to go there. Now, Bob Hope, who plays a guy named Larry Lawrence, who's a radio crime reporter, uh, he ends up with her uh, during this whole mix-up at the hotel the night before with the local crime boss and all this drama and these shootings going on. And uh, the castle is supposedly haunted with ghosts and stalked by zombies. And uh, uh, Mary was actually offered a large sum of money to sell it off before she even went down there to see it. But somebody else showed up and warned her not to sell it. So, but then all these murders happened. And uh, so this is all the setup to what's going on before they even get to the island. So they finally get to the island, go to the castle. Uh, they see these ghosts and they see what is supposedly a zombie walking around and attacking them. And uh, after a lot of scary things happen, they finally discover that actually someone was just trying to scare them away from this castle and plantation property because apparently there was an enormous silver vein under the island that a few people knew about. And uh, so they were looking to cash in on that, but it ended up not working out for them and, you know, happy ending, good times and everything. Um, this movie had a certain charm to it. Uh, I, I like just the old school look of uh, horror that they're going for at the castle here. You know, we had the fake bats. We had a really cool ghost scene. It was a uh, superimposed ghost scene effect, and uh, they did it really, really well. I was impressed for 1940 on that thing. I mean, we saw things that didn't even look that good in like the, the 70s and 80s still going on, and even today. But, uh, you know, we had the we had the spider webs, we had all kinds of shadows, and a dungeon, we had a skeleton, we had a suit of armor that would attack you, <laughs> you know? Just this really, really cool kind of creepy atmosphere there. Um, and even despite the comedy, you know, because the comedy wasn't really over the top and slapstick. Uh, it, it was more subtle comedy, so the whole creepy thing kind of worked for me. Um, but uh, at times, uh, they kept it light, uh, especially because of the music that they used. They had very lighthearted kind of music going on, which kind of took a little bit away from the full creepiness that could have been in the castle, but it, it was still pretty cool. Now let's talk about the zombie here, uh, the son of this woman who is living in a shack by the castle. 
is this big deformed guy, and um, he's supposedly a zombie. They keep calling him a zombie the whole time during the movie. Uh, really, he looks like he came right out of The Hills Have Eyes, or else apparently The Hills Have Eyes used him as kind of a, uh, a model <laughs> to go off of. Um, and I don't think he is really a zombie. I think he's just this really deformed guy that walks around and is trying to attack the people. Um, so, consequently, this really isn't a zombie movie. It's more of a ghost movie than anything else. Um, but all in all, I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I, I think... This would be a great Halloween movie. Watch this on or around Halloween. You know, it's kind of creepy, um, even though they try to keep it, you know, reasonably lighthearted and they use comedy and things like that. But there's that certain old school horror kind of charm to this. And that, that's really what I dug about it. And of course, this was, you know, a big studio production. And, uh, you know, I, I really like the scenery and the shot selection at the island and the castle. And they took the whole zombie story and put it back in the Caribbean, which hadn't happened since, like, White Zombie. And I think I like it there best. You know, look at those movies. You know, this and a Zombie 2 and a lot of other zombie movies, Hell of the Living Dead, they all, you know, take place down in the Caribbean, which is a very cool, exotic setting. And uh, even though I like movies like Dawn of the Dead and Night of the Living Dead better than Zombie 2 or White Zombie... Still, I like zombies in the Caribbean best overall. It's, it's weird. I don't know. I can't explain it. But I look at this movie, and I can tell you exactly where every Scooby-Doo episode got its idea from. <laughs> it's this movie. <laughs> because, yeah, that, that's what it is. I mean, everything is just a big trick. They think it's a supernatural thing going on, but it ends up just being a bunch of people trying to scare the owners away so that they can cash in on it. And that's every episode of Scooby-Doo. So congratulations. Um, and I also thought I got this weird uh, Friday the 13th feel. <laughs> now, hear me out on this one. I think Friday the 13th was inspired by a part of this movie. Part of the original Friday the 13th was inspired by part of this. And let me tell you what I mean. Um, during one scene, we have the deformed guy, and uh, he's almost like a Jason Voorhees kind of deformed character, like a just a malformed thing. He's not quite as bad as Jason, but, you know, he's, he's a freak. And he's in the middle of attacking Bob Hope's character, but all of a sudden a beautiful woman uh, starts coming down the stairs in the castle, and he stops. He sees her, and he stops attacking in mid-attack and is mesmerized by her. And it just reminded me for some reason of the whole scene in Friday the 13th where Jason is attacking the girl and uh, she makes herself up to look like uh, his mother. And uh, so that stops him kind of in mid-attack, mid-chase, whatever. But uh, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's a long shot. I don't know. That's just what came to my mind when I saw that scene. But uh, to be fair, you know, this this movie, The Ghost Breakers itself, borrows you know tons of elements from the horror that came before it. You know, Dracula, Frankenstein, White Zombie, The Mummy, um, and uh, but. Isn't that really what we see in all horror? I mean, there's nothing out there, especially nowadays, that's completely original. Um, they're all really standing on the shoulders of the movies and the filmmakers that came before them. And uh, so, yeah, we were borrowing even back then. And uh, everything was kind of formed on the basis of, of these big universal pictures that hit the screen back during this time. I mean, that was a huge, huge influence. And I think every horror movie has borrowed something from this era uh, in one form or another. But yeah, first ever zombie comedy. And, and I'm not sure, like I said, whether I should call this the first zombie comedy because um, this was made twice before this particular time. 
Uh, but unfortunately, th those were both supposedly silent films, and they've been lost, which is a bummer because <laughs> this would have been really interesting to see in uh, silent form. Uh, I think uh, Cecil B. DeMille was in one of them, and I can't remember who the other one was. But uh, yeah, yeah, so <laughs> that would have been very interesting. But all in all, uh, if you can find this, watch it, especially around Halloween. Like I said, it's a lot of fun, and even you know, kids, I think, could really, really enjoy this too, because it's kind of spooky, kind of fun, kind of cool. On my scale of rating, whatever that means, nothing really, but I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Hey everybody, my name is TJ and I host the 13 Skulls podcast. If you've ever had an unexplainable experience, then you know it's hard to understand. Visit www.the13skulls.com and come with me on a journey to a world that lies just beyond our comprehension. The world of the paranormal. You're backwards, Before Woodstock, the revolution had already begun. Go! We've got to go up to that gold country. We've got to find some of that gold, and we got to bring it back to this town! Gold! It's a western. It's a comedy. It's a nudie. It's a drama. It's a musical. It's a revolution. It's a manifesto. It's a movement. It's a happening. It's a freak out. Gold. Starring Del Close. Gold. It's the end and the beginning. Lost for 40 years, gold has been found again. When you need someone to guide you, a helping hand to be beside you, look around, I'll be behind you, I'm the one. Wow, right out of the 60s comes this movie, Gold Before Woodstock, Beyond Reality. Oh boy. This thing um, was filmed in the 60s, but it was issued, released, I guess, in uh, 1972. Um, and uh, so this did take place, actually, before Woodstock. Um, and what happened is that we got our co-directors, Bob Levis and Bill Deslage, and uh, they took a whole bunch of their hippie friends, went into the woods for a month, and made a movie. <laughs> of course, they were making a movie when they weren't too busy, you know, doing what hippies normally do all day, which is get high and have sex. <laughs> and, of course, those activities had a huge influence on the production of this movie. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, when it was released in 72, it really didn't get very far at all. Um, and it was long considered to be a lost film. So this is the first ever consumer mass release of this movie at all. And I think we're quite fortunate to have this little gem of history right here. 
Now, um, the, the big name in this film is actually Del Close. Now, Del Close has been a huge influence on a lot of things, acting. Um, he himself is an actor who uh, really pioneered modern improvisational acting. Um, he loved weed. <laughs> <laughs> he died in 1999. Uh, he was involved in a lot of huge things like Second City. Uh, he hung out with the Merry Pranksters and the Grateful Dead. He did stuff for Saturday Night Live for a lot of years. Um, he played an English teacher in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> so, and I'm watching this thing. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, Del Close does a fantastic job in this. He's like the, the hippie guy that, uh, you know, the main hippie guy, whatever. And uh, I fully expected to see Hunter S. Thompson kind of wander onto the set at some point. <laughs> he would have fit in perfectly uh, with this uh, <laughs> this cast. This is, this thing's nuts. Um, now, a really cool thing: the opening montage. You see a series of iconic photographs from the 1960s. They're all in black and white, but they're really, really cool. And they all mean something. You know, we have the Kent State Massacre. We have Martin Luther King. We have the Kennedys. We got Gandhi, all kinds of protests, things like that. It is a really cool representation of the cultural climate that was going on at this point in time. And that's exactly what this movie is, gold... Um, it's a startlingly accurate snapshot of that time and place, you know. The counterculture of the 60s was in full swing. So the plot and the coherence of this movie are really kind of put on the back burner. I'm not giving a whole lot of weight. <laughs> they really don't matter. In fact, the confusion in this context is perfect. Um, what the film is, is, uh, oh boy, where do I start? How do I explain this thing? It takes place in a rural town that uh, looks like something out of the Old West. Uh, gold has apparently been discovered to their north. So the citizens of this little town board a train to get there. Uh, they're led by their corrupt police chief guy um, who, uh, you know, is upholding the law with an iron fist, but uh, he's also, you know, the kind of a gangster kind of guy, you know, taking deals on the side and, and things like that. He's kind of like a... A mob boss kind of figure here. Um, and his pet peeve, and this is hilarious, his pet peeve is all the public nudity that's going on around him. All the hippies. And he vows to rid the area of this menace. So when they get to the woods where gold was discovered, he begins to rule this little society that they show up. Like I said, with an iron fist. He sends people to jail. He even has people executed for uh, being nude in public. Or even doing hippie things, having long hair, stuff like that. So what we have is really kind of an obvious message that authority is bad and that utopian peace and free love, man, are the way to go, man. You know, man's trying to get us down, man. The government, man. You know, it's, it's a system, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's basically what it is. And uh, oh, this has lots of nudity. Lots of it. A lot of naked people <laughs> in this film. Oh, lots of psychedelia, you know, the way this was shot and edited and produced, you know, shots that really make no sense at all, and uh, all kinds of different colors and effects used, and it's, it's just a trip, it really is, you know, you'll come out of this thinking that you're high. <laughs> and uh, the music is fantastic, it's actually exactly what you'd expect for a film out of this era. Um, we had five previously unreleased songs by MC5. And then a whole lot of other songs by, you know, people that you might not have heard of before, 
but uh, they were definitely artists of this time, and it's fantastic. Um, and the sound and the feel, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. The DVD itself has a lot of great extras, the commentaries especially, because what they do is they explain this film. <laughs> <laughs> that is very important here. But uh, what's more interesting than trying to follow the plot of the film is actually reading about the film, reading about the production and what went on behind the scenes here because, you know, it was a bunch of hippies making the film really, really high. <laughs> wow. But it's a lot of fun. It really is. I highly recommend this. Um, the drugs that they use during the movie, like I said, kind of rub off on you while you're watching it. You know, you'll you'll become enveloped in the haze, man. You just lay back, man, and you'll be seeing all these colors. You'll be saying, wow, that's so cool. Look at that, man. And, uh, you know, you'll still be able to pass a drug test afterwards. So, yep. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm going to give Gold before Woodstock, Beyond Reality, an 8 out of 10. Go pick this up, and thanks to Wild Eye for sending this over. Another day, walking in circles, haunted by memories, I push on this wheel. I pray to Klam, grant me revenge, and help me to answer the riddle of steel. A shy little boy, I couldn't protect them Helpless and timid, as weak as a girl They butchered my people, the dogs ate my father My mother beheaded, they took my whole world Come, where is the wizard who killed my mother? Still, I can recall his terrible days Come, where are the two snakes facing each other? Come, if you're my god, then show me the way. I'm on the path, chopping up bodies, hacking and slicing, and look at me now. With loyal friends joining my party, each step I take, I'm fulfilling my vow. Crush your enemies. See them driven before you And hear the lamentation of the women Hear the lamentation of the women Crush your enemies See them driven before you And hear the lamentation of the women Hear the lamentation of the women Come show me the wizard who killed my mother True, I've never played to you What would I give if you could help me see this through? And if you do not listen, then the hell with you. Come, where are the two snakes facing each other? Come, if you're my god, then show me the way. This wizard will fall, cause this has begun, they murdered them all I'm the last one, I issued the call, revenge for my mom I pray to you Crush your enemies, see them driven before you And hear the lamentation of the
Midnight Cory. It's a knife in your eye. Midnight Cory. It's a fistful of glass. Midnight Cory. It will make you regret the day you were born. Midnight Cory. It's a hammer to the face. Midnight Cory. It's the nightmare that never ends. Midnight Cory. It's time to die. Midnight Cory. It's slippery with intestines. Midnight Cory. It's the smell of burning flesh. Join, Join us at midnightcory.com. Ah, this week, this is an original song, uh, not originally by me. I don't know why I keep calling it original, uh, other than I did my take of it. Uh, <laughs> I basically took the song and butchered it. Oh, yeah, yeah, did something kind of crazy, uh, uh, slowed it way down. This is a song that, uh, actually, you've already heard the original, if you've been listening to my episodes here of this here podcast. Um, this is a song by the Burt Bacharach Fight Club, and it happens to be the band that my friend Johnny T belongs to. And, um, you know, the Burt Bacharach Fight Club, first of all, is a, a really, really fun band. I'll be putting up links in the show notes to their MySpace page, everything where you can go listen to some of their tunes. It's a lot of fun. Johnny T is a great, great fella. He really, really is. So I decided I'm going to cover a Burt Bacharach Fight Club song. And like I said, I've played this before, so you should should be familiar with it. But this is the song Slow Drip.
Oh, what a fun show this has been this week. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, this is fantastic. Um, but I'm going to end it. I'm going to call it a day. Just doing podcasting, and making my movie. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to shoot some test scenes uh, tonight. So, yeah, I want to end the podcast. Sorry, you get screwed. <laughs> but next week, I am going to talk about King of the Zombies from 1941. Next movie that we'll be examining going throughout zombie movie history. And uh, this is another serious one. We don't have another zombie comedy here. This one uh, was trying to be a legitimately uh, scary zombie movie, I guess. So, <laughs> be talking about that. But until then, go to MidnightCory.com where you can get all the updates on all the weird stuff I'm doing. And uh, you can introduce yourself and, uh, you know, let me know uh, what you think of things. That'd be really cool. You can call the voicemail of death, which has been uh, painfully silent lately. Yeah, 814-806-2828. You can hear me uh, possibly on Library of the Living Dead at some point, or uh, James Melzer's Unleashed podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, great stuff. Uh, this is the bad luck episode, and frankly, the only bad luck I had was that I kind of took a break in the middle of it, and I started uh, watching Neil Hamburger videos on YouTube, <laughs> and I love Neil Hamburger. Do me a favor, look up Neil Hamburger on YouTube and uh, listen to some of his comedy acts. <laughs> He's my favorite comedian in the world. I love that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But anyhow, uh, next week will be 14 and we'll have considerably better luck. So thank you for listening. And uh, hey, you know, stay cool. Stay loose and stay safe. And remember, when you think zombie movies, think the notorious.